Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my dog. to Jim Strader Outdoors. Obviously, this is our number two of the broadcast. We've got special guests joining Scott Cronin and myself tonight. It's Trey Webb with Webb's Butcher Block. He is an expert coyote hunter, and we're talking predator hunting tonight, of course. And Trey, uh, we covered a lot of ground there in the first hour. I want to return to a portion of the uh, conversation that we touched upon, and that Tell folks how you do your normal setup. You know, what what's your routine? How far away do you park your vehicle? You know, tips that you can give folks on how to avoid mistakes that will spoil the set. You know, biggest thing is, you know, is, is the wind. The, and the rest of it's kind of – even wind sometimes is irrelevant. I mean, we killed two uh, coyotes last night that was – almost a hundred percent downwind the whole time and they come from you know over 1800 yards away when we first seen them and they was they wasn't dead downwind but it wouldn't have took much of a shift for them to truly been downwind and they just come right on in but wind's the biggest factor you know pick your wind and you know try not to hunt stands or spots that the wind is wrong unless it's just one of those areas that is just good you know, we got some stands that it wouldn't matter which way the wind was blowing. We're going to hunt them just because there's that many coyotes in that area. And, you know, it's just a, a good spot. Uh, but, you know, depending on the lay of the ground is how far we walk from the truck. Normally we try to hunt as close as possible because we're kind of lazy, kind of ornery. You know, the the closer we can get to the truck when we hunt is the shorter distance we got to drag the coyote to get him back there <laughs> so you know we don't we don't walk too far if we don't have to if we can get the truck and park it in a dip out of the way and go stand up on the next knoll we will you know but if we got to walk 100 to 200 yards to get to where we need to be then we will also but you know I always set and try to always set my collar up upwind of me that way if they do try to circle downwind it's going to pull them in here next to me uh, I want to be to where I can see good. You know, I don't want a whole lot of obstructions that's going to affect my view because, you know, 
<clears throat> the lay of the ground they're going to use that to their advantage and it doesn't take much of a dip in the ground to uh to hide a coyote so you know when when he comes in you want to you want to be able to see him as soon as possible so that you can get ready and get in position you know it's it's never good when you turn around looking through your scanner and he's standing there you know 80 yards of you because he just crested over the hill and you never seen him coming so you know because then you kind of got to scramble to get your gun up on him without spooking him you know or him hearing something or seeing something so the better you can see the better off you are it's like anything you know and you use uh uh tripods yep and and I, i was a little bit fascinated you don't Hunt, necessarily hunker down on the ground. You stand a lot. No, nope, no. Nope. You 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 put your tripod out and it holds your rifle. The, they got a few different tripod. You know, a lot of different manufacturer tripods out there and different mounts. But we just use a simple and then just grips to the foregrip of your of your rifle and it just stands there, holds the gun and you just stand there in the field. And, you know, uh, their their eyesight's good, but at night, you know. They don't see as good, you know. If if you even if you silhouette skyline a little bit to a degree, if you're wearing darkish clothing, you don't look nothing more than just a cedar tree sticking over the hump, you know. And I think they know if you are or not because, you know, it's like furniture in their house. You know, they know they know when there's new furniture in their house, so they didn't see that tree there the night before, or the week before. So, you know, they do know. So you still kind of got to be cautious on how you set up, but. It's not super critical like daytime hunting. Okay. And on shotgun versus rifle, you know, there's there's debate about that, and a lot of it, I guess, depends on where you hunt, how you hunt. Yeah, I mean, we've hunted inside uh, some real close to city limits and inside of some city limits. You know, we've been called before by uh, city officials because they had an issue and, you know, you're right in a subdivision pretty much hunting cows with a shotgun. You know, we put our thermals on them. Uh, I got a couple of videos where we shoot coyotes with, with the shotguns and our thermal, and you see the wad flying through the air. You know, it's really interesting, real cool videos. But, you know. What loads of, do you like in a shotgun? Uh, dead coyote tungsten tees. Yeah. Uh, if I had, if I had to, if I could hand load my own, I would probably look at some tungsten number ones. That way, I got more pellets, <clears throat> and they're still more than heavy enough to kill a coyote, you know. But with the tungsten tees and the right choke, I'm not going to say you'll do it every time, but I would just about say anything 80 yards and in when you pull the trigger is going down. That's very lethal, actually. You know, tungsten is is a whole different ball game when it comes to killing stuff. Yes, whether it's coyotes, turkeys, ducks. You know, it's expensive, but it's worth it. It's worth the money. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, most people's going to hunt them with a rifle, though. You know, you know, you got to you got to be smart when you're hunting with a rifle because if you're not using real good equipment, you can't see past a certain distance so you don't know what's beyond your shot so you know consciously sometimes it's harder to take shots in the dark without superior equipment because if you can only see 100 yards or 150 yards you don't know what's beyond your target and us as hunters we're like we've always been taught you know know where your bullet's going 
you know, it's once you turn it loose, there's no bringing it back. So, you know, you got to be conscious of that. Where And that's where your higher end thermals, you know, outweigh a lot of it because, you know, if you can see, you know, 2,000, 2,800 meters, you know, with this thermal, then you know, <clears throat> you can't see everything, but, you know, you know all the structures that are behind you. You can see those houses or those barns or those cattle, you know, that's a thousand yards behind your target, you know the likelihood of you, you know, ricocheting or something like that goes way down. But, you know, you know, we got to make sure this shot's at the right angle to that way. If I do miss, that bullet buries into the ground. It's not going to, you know, do anything goofy, you know. Can you be 100% positive that it's going to happen? You know, no, but you can put things in your favor to ensure that it happens right. To that point, what type of bullets do you find most effective versus, you know, ruining the pelt or whatever the case may be. I know a lot of uh, folks don't really care about that. But. Well, the pelts ain't worth nothing right now. Pre-COVID, I was selling coyote highs for 30 to $35 a piece. So I skinned every coyote that I killed and then some because it was it was worth it. It took me time I figured I would skin it and flesh it and dry it and everything. I could do one and a half to two coyotes an hour. So, you know, I was $45, $60 an hour, you know, skinning coyotes. That's really good money. Whereas right now, post-COVID and the way that they changed import-exports and some of your big manufacturers not buying coyote pelts, wild pelts anymore, uh, less than $4 a hide right now. So everything just, just goes to the wayside. We're out the window. But – Bullet selection is really dependent on the caliber and the gun. You know, I shoot a two forty three, and I'm really satisfied with the 87-grain VMAXs. You know, they come apart. They drop all the energy inside the coyote. So typically they are DRT, you know, dead right there. Whereas <clears throat> with, like, the two twenty three that we hunt with a lot, you know, a lot of people try to shoot, like, a 50 or a 55-grain VMAX. And we are not happy with them. They 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 feel like they splash off the shoulder blades and stuff like that. They just don't have the weight to carry through the bone. So with our two twenty three that we hunt with, we shoot a soft point. You know, it carries, it retains its weight, it goes through, drops the energy inside the inside the animal, and they typically go down right there too. Whereas with the V maxes and a few other bullets that we tried, we had a lot of runners. We had you know. You would shoot a coyote, you would hear it hit, you know, because we run suppressors on all of our guns, so you could hear that bullet hit, and the dog would spin, the coyote would spin around, and, you know, you could tell that he was hit, and if you could get another one in him, you would, but a lot of times they would end up getting away before you could finish them off, and, you know, you may never recover that, or they would end up getting in the woods or getting away from you and end up dying later on, and you just, you know, you have a lot of runners without, you know, the right bullet, you know, then proper bullet placement is another key factor you know i hold that thought i want to talk about bullet placement coming back from this break folks we got to go to break right here this break is presented by mossville properties paul thomas is the broker got all kind of outdoor properties for sale check them out at m-o-p-h-a-r-t realty.com if you're fortunate enough to be the proud owner of a log home i've got someone you need to know justin bryan with Cardinal Power Cleaning, your log home restoration specialist. 
Justin and his professional staff are experts in cleaning, stripping, staining, sealing, chinking, caulking, and wood replacement. Their specialty work is guaranteed, bonded, and insured. Cardinal Power Cleaning has a five-star rating with loads of referrals, and their estimates are free. Cardinal Power Cleaning services are available across Kentucky and Indiana, but book early because their expertise is in high demand. Check out their yearly and three-year maintenance packages at Cardinal Power Cleaning on Facebook or at cardinalpowercleaning.com. Or better yet, call Justin Direct at 502-902-7340. That's 502-902-7340. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors talking coyote hunting. The Trey Webb. Trey, before the break, we talked about shot placement on coyotes a little bit, and there's a side to that people need to understand. You know, it's a little bit different animal than, yeah, than some other types. You know, coyotes, their will to live is is unmatched by anything that I've ever hunted. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think that a 35-pound, a 45-pound coyote would be able to carry off a, you know, take a 243, a 6-millimeter bullet, 87-grain bullet, take it square on and and carry it off like he, like he really didn't bother him or, you know, shooting something out of your AR platform like a 223, and they just take it and run, you know, like it, I mean, that, you can tell you hit them because they barked or they yipped and they spun around or whatever but they just they just carry it and keep on going so you know shot placement is key you know you got to get it you got to get it up in that chest you know through that shoulder and 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 drop all that energy right into the in the gearbox of them you know if you get it up in there you know most of the time they go straight down and they don't really stand a chance but you know you get back a little bit in the in the lungs or in the guts and you know that cow's liable to go. You know we we shot one last year, and <clears throat> it got away from us. And you know looked for it, couldn't find it, and ended up finding it the next day, nineteen hours later, and it was still alive. And it took a two twenty three through the ribs. It just got into a brush pile on a Senko and. It's just hold up. I mean, their their will to live is beyond matched. I mean, they like said so. You got to get it up in those up in the shoulder, up in the you know the heavy part of the chest to to stop the heart and just put them down in a hurry. You know what people? A lot of people don't know, and I'm sure you do. Canines, in particular, you know the dog species, of course, which kind of is can sustain more blood loss than about any critter you want to talk about. They probably do that because they got more blood in them than any critter. <laughs> I mean, when when you go out hunting half the night and you kill several coyotes and you got them all in the bed of your truck, the sheer volume of blood that pulls out of them is is unsurpassed. Yeah, they're just they're different. They're different than deer or or about any other critter you want to talk about in that regard and and uh, they're just tough, like you say. They they live a pretty hard life, really. When you get down to it, they do. I mean, cows are prone to a lot of diseases. Do you find to that point 
it's a little different subject, but I've noticed in lots of areas where I hunt that they have real up and down cycles at times from either mange, uh, parvo, whatever the case may be. Now they do develop some immunity to some of those things, but have you noticed in some of your areas that there'll be a sharp drop off in the population from time to time? Uh, occasionally, but you know, when you talk about mange, typically, typically if you, if you kill one mangy coyote in an area, you're going to kill other ones, you know, mm-hmm. where they just pass it, you know, cause they are a social communal animal, you know, where they pass it on. Uh, but, Normally don't see too many drops of population because, you know, coyotes, they can, they can regulate their litter. So if, if a disease does come through and hits them pretty hard, you'll notice a drop, but they have bigger litters, you know, since there's not as much competition for food out there that, you know, that coyote will, instead of having two or three coyotes pups, you know, they'll have eight or 10 coyotes pups. So, you know, they, they can rebound in a hurry. So population may drop, but it uh, it's not going to drop for long. I mean, even with the way we hunt them, we can tell that the population has dropped, but it's it's still maintaining, you know, you but you get a lot more younger coyotes each season because they just have bigger litters. Yes. Yeah, they're a very unique animal in that regard. and I've never understood exactly how they do regulate that, but they—it's nature's way, you know. It's God's plan that that He built into that critter, and it, it makes them very, very unique. Certainly, and they're they're um, this time of year is the breeding season. Yeah, they're just now getting started on that. Uh, uh, we call it the—it's a week, ten days of suck. You know, you can you'll kill them and you'll call them in with some breeding howls and whimpers and fights and stuff like that. I mean, most of what we killed last night when we killed four was off of breeding sounds, but they are they just respond different. It's just tougher. You know, it's like you flipped on a switch. You'll flip it on, and it'll be tough for ten days to two weeks when it's like a lockdown period, and then. As soon as most of the breeding's over with, it's back to business as usual. You know, you can get by with rabbit distresses or, or woodpecker distresses. You know, minor, you know, simple sounds. You don't have to work as hard, I guess you would say, to get them to respond. Very good. We got to go to a news break here. This news is presented by SMI Marine. Go see them. They'll take great care of you. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. Trey, we got an interesting uh, scenario here. Gun World and Archery Pro Shop over in Corden, Indiana, is sponsoring a big coyote hunting tournament. I know you're familiar with those. And uh, we've got Nathan McAfee, who's with the Southern Indiana Branch chapter of the National Deer Association, who actually is sponsoring the, the competition as well. Nathan, can you hear me okay? I can, Jim. I got you loud and clear. All right, man. Well, it's great to have you on. This is a fantastic concept, one that I hope catches fire. And I I really applaud you all 
with the National Deer Association for putting this together. Dead couch means more deer, as, as Trey <laughs> talked about earlier in the program. And it's a tribute that you all are doing predator control because it's something that's necessary. Tell us a little bit about this and how folks can uh, register over at Gun World and, and the way this works. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and and uh, I want to say, first of all, thanks for having me on uh, to, to be able to talk about this. Um, and it's something that uh, this tournament's something that we've wanted to put together now for the last couple years. Um, and uh, just we, during that, it's kind of been doing our uh, doing our research on how, you know, how they're run and how they're put together and stuff so we can hopefully have a good event uh, next weekend. Um, but so registration, uh, can be done really one of two ways. Uh, they can register in person, um, in at gum world, um, or they can email me at Southern Indiana, NDA at gmail.com. Um, and really it's just a matter of, you know, paying the, the, the entry fee and then filling out a release form or signing a release form is all they have to do in order to, uh, sign up. Okay, give the uh, website address and or the Facebook address again, if you wouldn't do it slowly, please. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Southern Indiana NDA for the National Deer Association um, at Gmail. Okay, our folks can call over at Gun World Archery Pro Shop there in Corden as yeah. well. And and they'll yeah, help absolutely. And the dates and starting times? So, yeah, we're starting it off at uh, the, the hunt will actually start at 5 o'clock um, on Friday evening. And then weigh-in will be Sunday at 3 in the afternoon. So it's a two-day um, two hunt or two-evening hunt. Um, you know, we, we're going to weigh the, the top prize is going to be, uh, determined by the, the, the largest five coyotes. So it's similar to a, you know, similar to a bass tournament, you know, you weigh your, your, your big five, um, we're, we're going to weigh five. So we'll weigh five coyotes for each team. Um, then we also do have a, uh, we have a large dog and small dog side pot each, uh, with a, so entry into each of those pots is, is $20. Um, obviously the large dog is probably going to be part of your biggest five, but then we'll weigh that small dog for you in addition to your, your large five for that, uh, for that side pot as well. Okay. And the team entry fee. Team entry is a hundred dollars. Um, and that is for, um, a team of up to three individuals. All right. And how does the money break down there and, and tell us where it goes? Yeah, so so with the with the main pot with that hundred dollar entry, um, half of the money is going to the club, uh, to to our National Deer Association branch, and then the other half will be paid out to the to the winner, um, or will be paid out in prize money. The side pots for the big dog and small dog are hundred percent of that go to goes to the winner. Um, and then we are also going to be, uh, I believe Sightmark has donated a, uh, a scope to us that we're going to raffle off there too, kind of as a, uh, um, 
you kind of as a side raffle when guys are there signing up or when they come in to weigh in and stuff. And we'll probably, once we get everybody all weighed in and everything on Sunday, we'll, we'll draw for that, um, draw a winner for that as well. Um, but then, you know, you asked a good question there about where does the money go? Um, and so we have, we have predominantly three, or this is going to be our third, um, fundraiser that, that we run, um, in a calendar year. And we, we have a big, just online, um, gun raffle that we do, uh, where we give away about 10 to 15 guns. Uh, we have a banquet that's, uh, that's in August and all those are fundraisers that send money back to our, uh, branch. Um, and we do, we do a couple different things with that money. Um, one is we're very big involved with, uh, donating to the youth shooting sports in the area. We've donated to, um, shooting teams there at gum world, uh, shooting teams down at the sporting club at the farm there in new Albany. Um, so a lot of money goes back there. We also have a um, we also have a scholarship that we started this past year um, in memory of uh, Hayden Miller, uh, who was a, a young man that um, many of our uh, many of our committee members knew and uh, were around him, knew his parents, knew his family, and he passed away. And uh, was very big, and he and his brother were both very big in the outdoors. And so, we started a memorial scholarship fund. Um, so, a good there's also a good portion of money that goes into that scholarship fund, which we pay out to um, a senior who a senior in high school who has uh, you know, who's basically in and around and loves the outdoors and that's for uh they can choose to use that for college or um like a vocational school trade school something along those lines um so that's a big thing that we do and then we have a youth hunt and we mentor um we mentor new adult hunters as well so those are in a lot a lot longer answer than you were probably looking for but that's that's an example or those are examples of things uh that we do with the money that we raise in those fundraisers. And this, this one is going to be the same. No, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to know. And I wanted our listeners to know, because you all do good things in, in this, these, these, uh, cow hunting competitions go a long way. I think to raising people's awareness and a lot of camaraderie comes out of it. A lot of friendly competition. And, and, uh, as folks who hunt cows know, there's, there's a lot to this, and folks that participate in it will be around other hunters that are successful, and that success hopefully will transfer. So uh, appreciate y'all putting it on. Hats off to Gun World and Archery Pro Shop. You know, they're one of my primary sponsors, and it's no surprise that they've stepped up and want to help with this. Do you have a the telephone number for Gun World there handy by any chance? I don't right off the top of my head, no. Um, okay, well, it's Gun World and Archery Pro Shop there in Corden, Indiana. And, uh, again, give the uh, – how folks can can get more information on, on both the National Deer Association and, and your all's event here. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and 
So those that may not know, uh, National Deer Association used to be Quality Deer Management Association or QDMA. Um, a lot of people were familiar with that name and um, everything over the last few years. Now they did change. There, there was an acquisition where they where they acquired another deer conservation organization, um, and as part of that, did some uh, did some rebranding, and that's where the the National Deer Association name came from. Um, but it is a national organiza- organization, national conservation organization, just like your Ducks Unlimited, National Wild Turkey Federation, um, you know, all those guys. So you can find out information about the National Deer Association by visiting deerassociation.com. Uh, is the that's the national website they have uh, they have on that site you know local events and that kind of stuff that are going on not just here in our area but you know if there's listeners all over the country they they've got uh, branches and um, and that stuff in in several states all throughout so um, but then uh, as far as go ahead Jim uh, just the Facebook uh, address again where folks can check out this yeah. competition. Yeah. And then, yeah, because we're now our our particular branch, uh, we operate a lot on our Facebook, and you can find us by just searching Southern Indiana NDA um, or Southern Indiana National Deer Association. Either one should pull us uh should pull up our our local group's Facebook page, which is where we post a lot of our a lot of our information, a lot of the things that uh, that we're out and doing, and uh, you know we have field days from time to time with uh, Potoka Lake. Uh, we've got a habitat project with them that will you know post work post about work days and that kind of thing there. But then for Friday, that is where we will have our um, we'll do. Um, a Facebook live video that will uh, that will basically talk about the tagging instructions and what needs to be done and everything. As long, we'll, we're also going to text that and email out a flyer um, then with those tagging instructions once we've posted that video, so that everybody knows what they're uh, so that everybody knows what they're doing for the Very for the good. tournament. And again, that's this coming Friday and registration. Uh, is it up until what time? Registration can be up until five o'clock. That's what time the hunt actually kicks off. So, um, but they can pre-register. They can pre-register at any time. Um, you know, like I said, by either visiting, either stopping in or calling Gumworld or um, emailing us at Southern Indiana NDA at Gmail dot com. Very good, Nathan. Well, I appreciate it. Good luck with the tournament. And I'll be eager to hear how it turns out. Thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They're at 11400 Westport Road, and they will take great care of you. If you haven't winterized your boat, you probably better do so, and they will certainly take care of any problems you might be having with your watercraft. Go see them. Tell them I sent you, and remember, you never get soaked at SMI. And we're back with Trey Webb talking coyote hunting tonight, indoor predator hunting. Uh, Trey, what are the best times of year in your estimation for uh, success? Any time's a good time, but really and truly, if you had two times that was to me would be the absolute favorite would be July 
when you got a lot of young pups up on the ground learning the ropes. So you got a lot of, you know, dumb targets that don't really know a whole lot. So you can, you can kill a, a lot of numbers fairly quickly because you're just dealing with inexperienced coyotes. And then the second time would be really throughout the month of October. Or if you could, if you could night hunt, especially, but even daylight hunting, you'll do really well. The, if you could follow the combines, you know, as the combines start harvesting those fields and opening up all of that fresh ground for them to hunt, exposing the rabbits and the mice and the voles and the shrews and every other little rodent that was living out there underneath that canopy, they, you know, then you would, you know, you will kill a lot more cows just because the they're in abundance, you know, they're, they're not educated and fresh ground so you know you got new positions to set up new tactics to use on them and they're not you know they're not educated whereas if when your crops are up you're limited to what few pasture fields are left so they get over hunted and they get used to calls coming from those areas so they get smart and i i know from talking to a lot of my farmer friends and, and folks that hunt the way you do and i don't think we can overemphasize how that opening up of that ground does contribute to success. They talk about watching those things work on the rabbits like crazy when they're running beans. And yeah, well, you know, corn. I mean, cows are so yeah. adaptable. You yeah, know? you know, in the summertime, you fire up a, a tractor and start mowing a hay field, it just rings a dinner bell. They come out, they follow the tractor, they're waiting for you to run something out. And when you're in the fall, when we're in the combine and the grain cart, it's the same way. You know, when when you start running those things, those animals have, like you said, adapted. They understand and they know that the ground's opening up. These animals, these rabbits or mice, voles, whatever it may be, are fixing to scatter. And they'll just, I mean, we've had them, you know, within feet of the combine. We've even and killed several of them, you stop the combine the coyote just kind of trots off you can you climb right out of it if you want and 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 shoot the coyote they're they don't deem the equipment as a threat so they don't think nothing of it you know because most of the time nothing happens to them when they're around it but you know it just rings a dinner bell bobcats i don't understand why we're not allowed to kill bobcats like we can kill cows. By that, I mean the night hunting aspect. I know you are bound to call in a bunch of them. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, we call in a ton of bobcats, and there's, you know, there's realistically more bobcats than what they probably perceive, and that's their their population is probably the perception of why they don't allow us to hunt them at night. But, you know, they, they want to do a They're wanting to do a study. They're doing a study where they're wanting to lower jaws, and unfortunately, they don't get the number of jaws that they want. I mean, they've even offered an incentive that you get an extra tag when you send in a certain number of jaws. You get an extra permit on your account, per se, for the following season. So, you know, most people, when they kill a bobcat, it's the first one that they've killed or the only one that they may kill, especially if you, if you when you hunt them through the daylight. You know, there's people, you know, that focus on bobcats they are they're successful and they kill several but the average person you know i'm gonna call them a weekend warrior they may only see one or two bobcats in their life and get to harvest one of them 
So, you know, they want that skull. They're going to keep that skull. They're not going to submit that lower jaw for the study. Whereas, you know, guys like myself who has killed several bobcats over my lifetime, and even when I trapped, we caught a bunch of bobcats. They're nothing special to me. I don't, I don't see them as anything fancy. So, you know, in the through the wintertime when we're hunting them coyotes at night, you know, we'll call in 20-plus bobcats easy a year, you know, from various stands. So, you know, if we could kill them at night, you know, like a lot of people wish, you know, we would submit our three, you know, because you're allowed to shoot three. You know, you're allowed five if you trap, but you're allowed to shoot three of them hunting them with a rifle or a shotgun. So, you know, I would submit all three of my jaws because – they're nothing special to me. They're just another predator animal out there that eats deer, eats turkeys, eats my quail, eats my rabbits. So, you know, they're just just a varmint. Well, my concern about it revolves around turkeys to a large degree. Um, they are an apex predator on turkeys. I mean, they're really hard on them. Every study that every state's done about that has shown this. And why... They're restricting folks who are out there predator hunting at the prime times of year. Escapes my logic. <laughs> it's Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife mainly. You know, they a lot of controversy and a lot of weird ideologies that come throughout there. And I guess it's trying to appease the masses, uh, but not the greater of the good you know i'm sure a lot of the reason we can't kill bobcats is your trapping association you know your trappers is a is a pretty big organization the they're older folks and they got plenty of time to sit in on the commission meetings call their commissioners voice their opinion on why they want to be the only one that has superiority over the bobcat. You know, your trappers get five, whereas us hunters, if we hunt for the daylight, only get three. So, you know, they got a pretty good voice, and I'm sure they're constantly in the ears saying, we don't need this, we don't need this, they're going to hurt our population. And bobcats are probably just like coyotes. You know, they're a predator. If, if, they, uh, if their population can sustain it, because there's more food, then they're going to have bigger litters. Yes. That's with anything, you know. Healthier litters means more, perhaps more reproduction. So bobcats, they they probably just like cows. They can regulate their litters to a degree. Hey, I really appreciate you visiting with us, folks. It's Trey Webb with Webb's Butcher Block. Go see them. They do the finest deer processing anywhere. I put their product against anybody's. And Trey, I really appreciate you joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me, Jim. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.